Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. I want to talk to you about what you smell like. <laughs> Donna like that, I can tell. What do you smell like? That's a good question, isn't it? When I thought about that, the first thing I thought about was I used to like a, a show on television called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Anybody in here ever see that? Or, I remember you're too old. And one of the things he, he would say, one of the things that Will Smith would say, I can't remember what his character name was on there, was he said, I'll smell you later. Smell you later. And I thought, man, that's pretty interesting. Smell you later. So uh, turn, lean over to your neighbor and smell him. No, don't do that. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm, let's don't do that. Let's don't, let's don't do that. So just lift up your... Uh, no, we won't do that either. What do you smell like? You ever thought about that? Listen, I have. I have. I, I, I used to... I used to, when I was a kid, I would go, I'd go out and I'd like to build fires out in the yard with all my buddies. And uh, we like to put green pine needles on them. Anybody know what green pine needles does to a fire? It will smoke. I thought we were going to get in trouble. It looked like the glory of God. A cloud had covered our whole neighborhood one time and nothing but smoke. And uh, I would come inside of my mom and say, go take a bath. I'd say, why? She said, you smell like smoke. I said, well, that's because I've been hanging around smoke. And so as the Lord began to minister to me, and I, I really don't remember where it actually it came from, but he began to talk to me about what do you smell like. In Matthew 26, 6, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. You get this picture, the lady, she's taking expensive oil and she's pouring it on Jesus' feet. We read later where Jesus said, why are you so upset with her? Because the disciples were just, they, they didn't like that. They said we could have sold that and given the money to the poor. They were upset with them about that. And Jesus said, you can do for the poor whenever you want to. It said, this woman has chosen the best. She has anointed me for my burial. She has prepared me for my burial. One of the other things, though, we don't recognize in that is that not only had she anointed him for her, her, his burial, but she had anointed him as a king. He carried the anointing of the king. John 11.1 1 tells us who that woman was. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose, breath, whose brother was Lazarus, was ill. And so we see Mary of Mary and Martha, and she's at the feet of Jesus, and she's anointing his feet with oil. She's anointing his head. She has poured it on his head, and she is now wiping her feet. I mean, washing, uh, cleaning his feet with her hair. She wants to. She wants to be with Jesus. She wants to anoint Jesus. She wants him to smell the perfume and the fragrance of the beauty of the oil of gladness. That's what she's trying to bring forth. And she felt like, and she knew that she owed her whole life to Jesus. Now he. Had 
had not yet been crucified and he had not yet ascended, but she had an understanding that her life had to be surrendered to Jesus of Nazareth. And so Mary had this understanding of, of anointing. She said that, she said that, you know, these, I didn't think about it, but the, all these kings, not she said, but the, all these kings were anointed. You remember David? Samuel anointed David. Well, what I didn't realize was that they carried that anointing and they continually were anointed with that oil so that the fragrance of the king was always present. So when you were in the presence of the king, you were in the presence of that anointing and you could smell, you could literally smell that anointing. I took this cloth right here and I began to spray it with my aftershave lotion so that it smells like me. Y'all might not like the way I smell. I put on a little too much today. I'm about to give myself a headache, but, but it smells good. How many of y'all know what this is? Anybody have any idea what this is? What is it? Mm -mm. A baby diaper. That's right. You know why y'all don't know what it is? Y'all ain't old enough to have used cloth diapers. That's the problem. All right, so this is a cloth diaper. So right now it contains... The fragrance of my aftershave. But you know, it can also be used to hold baby poop. And baby poop don't smell so good. And so we want to know, what are you going to smell like? When the king came around, I began to think about this. The king, not only did he want the people to be able to smell him and, and notice that, but he was blocking out the scents that were around him. You know, if you go back even to the George Washington time, and these people wore all these heavy coats and all this stuff, and they they uh, they were sweating. They had body odor. They stunk. Let me just be honest with you. And so you'd see men; they'd walk around with with these girly-looking handkerchiefs, and they would continually be putting them in the nose. That's because they were anointed with a fragrance, and it would begin to block out the stench that was around them. And so when she anointed him, she anointed him as king and the aroma of his presence then was, was filling the air. It wasn't only her, it was filling the air. And anybody that drew close to Jesus then began, that, that, that smell began to waft on to them. And so I'm sure that when they left the room, that that room had the smell. Anybody ever walk into a bathroom and it smells like the, the powder that your wife uses or the perfume that she uses? I'm sorry, y'all need to come to my house. None of y'all seem to know what that smells like. When I walk in there, I can tell my wife has been there, not because she's present, but because of the powder and the perfume and the things that she's done in there, and I can tell because the scent of that has been is present. The reason I tell you that is because her presence has literally changed the atmosphere. It no longer smells like it did when I was in there, thank God. I had to put up one of those signs. Please do not go in there, you know. And so anyway, it's, it's one of those things that it changes the atmosphere. And so the scent of that day now reeked with the very presence of, of Jesus himself and the anointing that had been poured forth. And so here he is, and he says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And guess what? If you begin to draw near to me, if I hug on you long enough, it's not going to be too long until my scent the smell of what I'm wearing is going to get on you. And you know what? You'll be able to smell me all day long. You'll be able to smell me all day long. Because you'll, every time you smell that, you'll recognize that scent. 
So we go into this place and we understand that they've been anointed. We understand that, that he changed the things that were going on. And so he wanted, to, he wanted his, his um, uh, he wanted this perfume just to absolutely radiate. My brother's first wife who passed away, Dee, Dee loved real perfume. Most of us men have never bought real perfume. Yeah, that's what she was, absolutely. But I'm not sure what that had to do with what she smelled like, Ken, but okay. <laughs> but she liked that she liked that real perfume. And my and my uh my brother would get it for her every Christmas. He would spend $150 for a half an ounce of perfume. Half an ounce. And uh, we're not talking about yesterday. We're talking about now over 20 years ago. Can you imagine? And I say, Dee, how long does that last you? She says, seven, eight months. I said, a half ounce? She said, it doesn't take much. She put it on her, and you could smell it. And when Dee walked in the room, you could literally smell the scent of, of, that, of that perfume when she walked in the room. I'm trying to lay a foundation here because I want you to begin to, to transfer this into the very presence of Jesus, that Jesus smells like something. I'm going to ask you this question. What do you smell like? Do you smell like the king of kings? Or do you smell like the prince of this earth? You're going to smell like who you've been hanging around with. If you've been hanging around life, you're going to smell like life. If you've been hanging around death, you're going to smell like death. And I want you to know that is a stench. I did a funeral one time for a sweet, sweet lady. Well, she was dead at that time, but she'd been a real sweet lady. And the, uh, the uh, lady that ran the funeral home asked me if I would ride in the, in the uh, hearse with her. Well, this lady had fallen and killed herself. And accidentally, it was an accidental death. And, uh, but she was outside for three days. And if you've ever smelled decaying body, now they took her in, they perfumed her, they tried to do everything they could do with her. They, they burned candles. But I want you to know, when we got in that hearse, you could smell the stench of rotted flesh and of death. Filled up, that, filled up that whole hearse. When you decide you want to play around with things that are nasty, you begin to smell like the things that are nasty. You begin to smell like death. Am I making any sense to you? My dog loves to smell like death. Oh my gosh, you find a good odor and she's going to rub herself in it and just rub and rub and rub. And sometimes some of the stuff she eats, she wants to lick you and you go, oh God, I'm going to throw up. It's so bad. Well, that's the way some people in the church and a lot of people outside the church, they want to roll around in the stuff that's outside the church and they want to smell like the world. And I want you to know that carnality in the, in the eyes and the nose of God smells like death. And so he's not called us to live to smell like death. He's called us to smell like he is. Matt read a story. Uh, Matt uh, 
Smith read a story about Joshua and Moses, that when Moses would go to the tent of meetings, that, that uh, when Moses would leave, Joshua would, would stay at the tent of meetings. King James Version said he would linger there. I was, I was in a meeting one time with youth, and the guy preached on the linger thing. The linger thing. And he wouldn't leave because just the, just the fragrance of the glory of God would be so great. Joshua said, I can't leave this presence. Moses would leave. The presence would begin to file out, but there was this residue of his presence. And Joshua had to stay in that presence. He was captivated by the glory of God to the extent that he wanted to look like God, feel like God, smell like God. He didn't want to be God. He wanted to worship God. And so he stayed in that presence of that glory. I look at myself sometimes and I think, wow, Lord, what do I stay more in the presence of? What do I smell like? What do I smell like? You smell like the king of kings or the prince of the earth. He loved. Joshua loved to be in the presence of the glory of God. Now let me tell you something. The glory of God doesn't have to be hyped up. The glory of God is when you and God get together. And, and there is a thing called the Shekinah glory, which is a manifestation of glory. But there's also this thing called the glory of just being with him. And where you begin to be with him and you begin to honor him. You know, one of the things that I find out about being in the glory realm is you can't speak much. You can't do a whole lot of talking when you're in the glory realm of God. All you want to do is you just want to be there with him. I can remember that with my wife. I can remember just wanting to be in her presence. I still, there are many times we'll come and we'll sit down together and, and, and we'll just be together. And I just like being there with her. Sometimes when she opens her mouth, she ruins it. No, I didn't really say that. That's on Facebook Live. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. The reason I was going to say that is sometimes when we open our mouth, we ruin it, okay? When we're with God. Sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut and just let it shut and let his presence do what needs to be done. So what does Jesus smell like? In Psalm 45, 7, said, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloe and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. He was talking both about David and about Jesus. And he said, You smell like joy. Not the liquid soap. You smell like joy. So let me ask you something. When you come in the room, do people run around? Are they attracted to you because the joy of the Lord is on you and you're going you're gonna to help uplift them no matter what's going on in their life? There are people I come to all the time and I hug their necks and I'll make the statement, man, I'm glad you're here. And that's a sincere thing. Why? It makes me feel the joy. You may not be in joy, but you make me feel joy. I'm so glad I'm in your, in your presence. My daddy, when my daddy walked into the room, listen, people started getting joyful because the joy of the Lord was on him. He smelled like joy. What do you smell like? Jesus smelled like joy. In the Song of Solomon, it said, what is this coming up out of the wilderness? Now, King James says, who is this? I like who better. 
I'm like, who much better? She said, who is this coming up out of the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powder of a merchant? Who is this? Now, it's used three different times in the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, and each time he uses it, he uses it in a different way. One time, he's talking about Solomon himself. He's talking about the, the anointing that's upon him. The second time he's talking about it, he's talking about his beloved. You know who his beloved is? Jesus is beloved. That's you and me. And he says, who is this coming up out of the wilderness? Anybody ever have any wilderness experiences besides me? But look what he said. Who is this coming up out of the wilderness? Who is this that's grabbed hold of life and is coming through and realizes that that pit of hell that they're in right this minute is not their destiny. It's a temporary stopping place until they get through to the other side because they have the smell of Jesus on them. And when they come out the other side, they're not bitter and they're not angry and they're not frustrated. They smell like joy because they have been transformed through whatever is taking place in their life. And they have grabbed hold of Jesus, and they have not let hell grab hold of them. Give God praise. Am I making sense to you? You see, when we're going through, it's bad. And we can smell that stench. We can smell those things around about us. And we have a choice. We can either accept the stench of what we're going through, or we can change the atmosphere by embracing Christ and allowing the smell of the King of Kings to permeate the air and transform the whole area. What do you, who do you smell like? What do you smell like? Do you smell like Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? You know, when Lazarus came out of that grave, Jesus commanded the people, not Jesus. I, I still want to see how he came out because he was wrapped head to toe. I don't know whether he floated out or whether he did the geisha girl type thing came out. I have no idea. But the Bible said he was still wrapped up in all the grave clothes. And he told the people, he said, take the grave clothes off of them. Watch what happens. This man is dead. He is graveyard dead. To the point that his friends, when they wanted the stone rolled back from it, they said, oh God, no, he'll stink. He's been dead for three days and it's been kind of warm around here. He's going to smell so bad. Jesus said, roll it back. What Jesus was saying is, where there's death, I'm fixing to bring life. What was in grave clothes, I'm fixing to bring out. What, what was dead is now going to be made alive. Until we came to Christ, we were dead. Once we came to Christ, we are now alive. But the problem is, is what the, is part of the altar call that was going on today, and we don't really hear it, was God is saying, get out of your stinking clothes. Get out of that stuff you've been wearing around. You know... I had a friend. He didn't like to take baths. He'd take one a week. And literally, we were all walking, working outside. As long as we were outside, it was okay. But when he came inside, Lord God, help us. We had to tell him he couldn't come inside. He could work outside, but he couldn't come inside. But every Friday night, he'd take a shower. And he'd clean up, and he'd put on fresh clothes first time all week long. 
And, and we loved being around this man. He was funny. He was fun to be around. But during the week, whew, we just assumed he'd be outside doing something because he needed to be outside. You know something? When we walk around in these grave clothes and, and we look like death, people don't want to be around you. They don't want to be around you. They don't want the stench of death on them. They're looking for somebody that's alive. We got one. Pe- we got young people that say they're looking for truth. Well, the truth is, a lot of the church looks like, smells like, tastes like death, and that's an indictment against the church. The church ought to look like, smell like, and taste like Jesus. It ought to be such a beautiful aroma. Yeah, come on, give God praise. There ought to be such beauty in it. God said there's beauty and holiness. He said, I have, I have anointed you with the oil of gladness. I have anointed you with the oil of joy. I have anointed you with the oil of thanksgiving. I have called you out so that you can look like me. I love it. I love it. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Wait, how often does he do it? How often? Always. I mean, it's just like what's coming up, this Clemson in Georgia game, you know, next year. Clemson has been predetermined to be the winner. Oh, come on. Some of you Georgia fans could have done better than that. No, the truth of the matter is nobody really knows who's going to win that game, do they? It could mean victory for either one. Las Vegas says that Georgia's a 12-and-a-half point favorite. They've been wrong before. I like, I love Dabo Swing. I like Kirby Smart. I even begun to like Saban now that he's retired. <laughs> but you know, he doesn't always lead them to victory. Not even the great Nick Saban. Not even the great Nick. They're celebrated because they won, he won like seven national championships. How many know there were more than seven national championships during his duration as a coach? Which means he lost more than he won. Let me tell you what, when Jesus leads us, it's an unfair fight. We always are victorious. We can't lose. We cannot lose. And so we have to understand that we are victorious in Him. He said He always leads us into victory. You're going to overcome. You're not going to stay in the mess that you're in right now. You've come there so that you can go through. You're not staying where you are. Let me go on. And, the, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Isn't that interesting? He declared that knowledge as fragrance when we share Jesus. I can't tell you how many times we've come up to somebody and we've just said, do you know Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? And the Spirit of the Lord comes and they break just like that. Why? It's not because of me. It's because the fragrance of the gospel has now come upon them and they like what's happening. And for the first time, maybe in a long time or ever, they've experienced some little bit of freedom. And they're not afraid to cry. Isn't that amazing? 
That is absolutely amazing when you get right down to it. He said, it's the fragrance. It smells like it. Look what he says. For we, who is the we there? It's you and me. Are the aroma of Christ to God. I don't know about you, but that's a grace statement right there. That's a grace statement. He said, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I no longer smelled like Eddie. Because Eddie was dead. Eddie reeked from death. But when I come into his presence now, I have the aroma of Jesus on me. And, and I am welcomed into his presence. Because Jesus has taken that stench from me. Now the problem is, sometimes I'm getting like my dog and I go roll around in that stuff again. And for, I think it makes me feel good sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But it, but it really doesn't. It just smells more like the carnality of the world. And, and the world, the stench of the world gets back on me. And I have to go take a bath again. My every Friday night bath, I have to go put in some new clothes. Every so often I have to put new clothes on because I've been rolling around in stuff that smells like caca. That's right. I'm serious. I like the way my little dog, Max, treats it. If, if, there's, if there's dog poop out there, he likes to go pee on top of it. I said, there you go. Give him a message right there. You don't want his scent. He said, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Uh-oh, he didn't just say in his presence. He said, in the presence of others. He said, he goes on and he says, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity and commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. He said, I'm not coming to you going to smell like the world. I'm not just trying to peddle to you. I'm not just coming in here and trying to get your money and take it away from you. I'm not just going to try to do those things that, that religion tries to do to you. I don't want to put you under a new yoke of bondage. I want to see that you're set free and whom the Son is set free is free indeed. I don't want you be put under a religious yoke anymore. I'm tired of seeing people do that. And too many, too often, too many pastors have their own agenda and they don't have the agenda of Christ. Too many Christians have their own agenda and they don't have the agenda of Christ. They go to McDonald's and it's so they think they can get a hamburger. God said, no, you go there to represent me. You forget what you're going for. Well, that wasn't my plan. I know it wasn't. You didn't consult. It's like Diane Kirk said right there. I got to say, God, what do you want? You want 100? No, Lord. Okay, we'll make it 110. Well, we'll make it 112. Keep going. Just keep on going. If she hadn't just said, yes, sir, I don't know how many boxes she'd have had to done. It may have been 50. You've only got to tell God to know so much. So when we walk up, let me tell you something. When you pull up, I don't care where you are or who you are. I don't care what customer you're going to see. I don't care where you are. You've got to smell like Jesus. Well, what does he smell like? He smells like victory. He smells like joy. He smells like life. I'm going to tell you something. Let me just add a little framing here. If you're a Christian and you're going to chew out people because of bad service, I don't want to go to dinner with you. I don't want to go to lunch with you. I don't want to go anywhere with you. Why? Because you smell like death. You stink. You have no compassion. You have no patience. 
go chew people out because they don't get stuff right. They people. Don't worry. They're trying to replace all of us with machines. And then you won't go cuss out a machine. I'm probably going to stand there with you. We'll cuss the same machine out. <laughs> Just teasing. Listen, you represent Jesus. You represent Jesus. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you smell like. You got to know what you're going to do. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I got a, I got a little problem with that. Come here, Tammy. Come here. How many of you know she's prettier than I am? You're now my favorite. <laughs> I don't like it all. No, I'm just teasing. No. He created male and female in his image. I want you to know I don't look like Tammy. I don't have the same equipment Tammy has. <laughs> you can sit down, Tammy. That I don't think I'm gonna argue around you anymore. That's <laughs> And yet he says, male and female were created in the image of God. You see, what we do is we get to thinking about the substance of this flesh. And God is saying, no, I have created identity in you. You are the image of God in the earth. My identity is not as Eddie the man. My identity is Eddie the, the bearer of God's image. And so I'm, I'm trying to get the world to give me identity. I'm trying to get the success of the world so that I can identify with that instead of getting success in the kingdom. And then I get success in the kingdom. Then I'm going after God's heart. I'm no longer at the center of these things, but God is at the center of those things. And my motivation is no longer, how, what about me, God? It's what about you? Because I'm created in the image of God. And I'm supposed to look like Jesus. This is interesting. To me it is anyway. Romans 8, 28. Anybody know that scripture? That's a great scripture, isn't it? Problem is most of us don't understand that scripture. We're just thankful that it's there. And I am. Well, look what he says. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he is justified is also glorified. Wonder why he had to make the statement, all things work together for good, before he said you've got to be conformed to the image of Christ. Could it be that all those things are part of the process? Notice he said you were formed in the image of God, but you must be conformed to the image of Jesus. 
Could it be the very things that we're resisting the most in life or the very things that God has placed there to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ so that we can respond like Jesus responded and not like our next-door neighbor's response? Has he changed us? You see, I'm going to tell you something. As long as you're wearing that grave clothes, you can't respond like Jesus. And what happens to most of us is, rather than grabbing hold of Jesus in the midst and the fury of what we're going through, we put on more grave clothes. We put more and more and more until despair, the total lack of hope begins to leave us, and we don't think it will ever end. And then we go to play, and God, are you really there? God, are you really there? You don't answer my prayer. I'm answering it. All things work together. I'm conforming you to the image and likeness. Isn't that your prayer that you would be like me? Well, no, God. It's not. I want a comfortable, secure life with no problems. <laughs> and God said, yeah, I'm going to let you talk to my son about that kind of life. The one that was beaten. The one that was whipped. The one that was nailed to a tree. You're going to be conformed to his image. You know what? The, yeah, one of the things that I see is it said that Jesus loved us so much. He commands husbands to love their wives like Jesus loved the church. He said he loved us so much that he gave himself for her. He sacrificed everything that could be for him so that he could give it to the church. And he tells the church, he said, would you sacrifice on my behalf for those that don't know me, for those that are hurting, for those that are dying, for those that have the, have the conviction of death upon them? Would you be my representatives in the earth? And would you smell like life and bring life to people? told you about the linger thing. The only way you begin to smell like Jesus is to be in His presence. The more you're in His presence, the more you begin to smell like Him. Now that doesn't mean go shut yourself away forever and ever and just, and just you and Jesus be together. That doesn't do anybody any good. He wants you to smell like Him because He wants you to affect the world that you live in. You might not be able to affect the world 3,000, 4,000, 10,000 miles from here, but you can affect the world that you live in. You can change the atmosphere. You can cause things to smell like Jesus rather than smell like, like lack of hope and despair. You can change the things because God said. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed conformed, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this come from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so he says when we let the Holy Spirit take over, we are going to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. When we spend time in the Spirit, things begin to change in our life. We begin to change. We begin to take on that smell and the characteristics of Jesus. How many think Herman sounds like me when he talks? Most everybody. Most everybody. My daddy, my brother, and I, we all sound like, you know why? We grew up together. I heard him. I sounded like him. Herman grew up with me. He sounds like me. Do you sound like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What are you doing with your time? Pastor's been talking about stewardship. You got 24 hours in a day. You can't set aside a little time for Jesus. I'm going to set a little time aside when Clemson plays 
Georgia. And I'm going to pray that they beat them. But in case they don't, I'm not going to be real sad. Why? Because I really, I don't get a payday out of that. I get some entertainment. And so I can jump up and down and be mad at the referees and tell everybody how the referees stole that game. Come on, don't act like y'all don't do that. We have to walk in presence. We have to spend time with Jesus. Boy, this is amazing. When we come together, Daniel, you're right. When we come together like this, it is such an amazing spirit. I can come in here. I don't care how heavy everything's been during the week. I sit down in here, and within five to ten minutes, the spirit of, of God comes in with you all, and, I, and everything lifts. It just lifts off of me. This is a wonderful thing. But he also says, go into your secret place. Close the door behind you. What does Jesus smell like? He reeks of love. Let me just tell you straight up, you can't love without the Holy Spirit. You can't love hard enough without the Holy Spirit. You can't love your enemies. You can't, you can't hardly love your friends. Not with the kind of love that God's expecting. He says joy. What Things are not always joyful. But he says it smells like, looks like joy. He looks like peace. He's at perfect peace in the worst storm. Matter of fact, he was asleep in one of them. He looks like patience. Uh-oh. Don't pray for patience. God will give you tribulation. Guess what? You're going to have tribulation anyway. You might as well get some fruit out of it. God looks like goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. God smells like the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, believers, that's where we're supposed to be. Stand to your feet. What do you smell like? I, brought, I was trying to get some anointing oil to anoint everybody with. And I, it's fragrant oil. I didn't have any. So I have some uh, <laughs> SP30. You know, and when you spray it, the only well, I can't even spray it. Did somebody lock it? There you go. It smells like the beach. It don't smell like Jesus. So I'm, I, you know, what do you smell like? What do you smell like? You've been listening to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received. A place of healing. A place of prayer. A place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that the Lord will lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.